Hola, amiga. I believe the only way to create a life of your dreams is by taking massive action that makes shit happen. Basically, amiga, handle your shit. Yes, I said that. Handle your shit. Stop playing small and start breaking down cultural limitations, gain back your feminine power, and become the unapologetic and unstoppable Latina you were destined to be. This show is meant to inspire, motivate, and awaken your soul's potential. You will learn from business professionals, successful entrepreneurs, and creatives that will teach you mental corrections, insider tips, success strategies, and of course, a dose of personal development. I am your host, Jackie Tapia, lawyer, transformational life coach, and entrepreneur. I am also a wife and mom to a little badass Latina. I'm obsessed with changing the Latina's mindset and breaking down cultural barriers so that you can live your best life and step into your true power and start living a life of abundance in all ways and always. Join me for inspiring conversations with thought leaders and learn how to handle your shit. ¿Estás lista? Vámonos. Hello, amigas, and welcome back to Amiga Handle Your Shit podcast. So I was, um, I, I wouldn't say I was forced, but I really had to take a break um, for a little bit here at the podcast. Um, I had an amazing event that took place. Um, well, by the time this episode drops, probably will be like three weeks ago. But um, I really needed to take a pause because soon thereafter, obviously the next day, um, there was the passing of my grandfather. So there's just so many things happening and um, I prayed on it and, you know, God said, you know what, it's time, just take a little break. That's okay. Nothing's going to happen. And as my girlfriend says, no, aquí no pasa nada. So I decided to take a few weeks off and come back with beautiful episodes. And speaking of beautiful episodes, I interviewed Dr. Damari Bonilla Rodriguez, and she's a national leading authority on leadership development, especially as it pertains to diversity and inclusion. She delivers keynote addresses and presentations drawing upon her experience from roles in the nonprofit, private, and government sectors, as well as her doctoral research. Her research about Latina leadership in the United States has served as the foundation for events, conference, sessions, publications, and content development to address the urgency of leadership development for a fast-growing population and create a pipeline of diverse leaders. Dr. Bonilla Rodriguez received a proclamation from the NYS Assembly, was a 2014 course leader, and her work around leadership and empowerment of women has been featured on NBC Latinos Latina Leader Series, Chief Writing Wolf and Proud to be Latinas Empowered Latina Series, Oh my goodness, so many amazing things that she's done. She's also a proud mother to her twin boys. And um, I'm just so happy that I had an opportunity to interview her today. 
Um, she's a lovely soul, and uh, we really got to unpack a lot of things going on, things such as systemic microaggressions, and also um, we get to talk a lot about how we can, as Latinas, um, empower one another. And, you know, empowerment is my love language. So I'm excited for this interview. And without further ado, this is my beautiful soul friend, Dr. Bonilla Rodriguez. Hello, 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 amigas, and welcome to Amiga Handle Your Shit Podcast. I'm excited for today. I have this beautiful her, beautiful soul. Her name is Dr. Damari Bonilla Rodriguez, and I was introduced uh, to her by my gorgeous, fabulous friend, Dr. Veronica Estrada, and, I, and after having this deep conversation with Dr. Vero, I was like... Of course, I need to have her on the podcast. They need to know more about DEI. They need to know more about leadership. And so here she is. I'm excited to have her here. She is a C-suite executive board member and thought leader with 18 years of plus experience in harmonizing DEI, DEI a tongue twister, DEI, <laughs> leadership development, education, and civic engagement to influence change and equity for all. I mean, these are words up my alley. Definitely. And I'm excited to have her here. Welcome. Welcome, Dr. Onilla. Thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity. And thank you for the very positive energy that you bring to the space and for creating a platform for us to be able to engage in these conversations to ensure that we're each learning and growing. And thank you also to Dr. Veronica, because it's when we leverage one another's networks and connect people that we all increase, right, in terms of visibility and the important work that we're doing. So I'm excited to be with you today. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. So, okay, I always like to ask my guests because this podcast is heard all over the world. And, you know, normally I do have a lot of guests from the state of California, but you're not from California. So I'd like uh, for you to let us know, like, where are you from? De donde eres? Because, you know, obviously it's important, you know, there's different thought patterns and different ways of living, right? So tell us, please, Dr. Damati, where are you from? Yeah. Yes, me encanta, me encanta la oportunidad to talk about where we're from, right? And actually, I, I will tell you that my husband and I considered moving to California a long time ago before we had kids. But no, I am born and raised in New York and uh, consider myself New Yorican, which is a New York-born Puerto Rican. Um, my grandparents were born in Puerto Rico. My dad was born in Puerto Rico. My mom was born in New York. And so I'm second generation on my mother's side. Yeah. And I currently live in the Poconos, which is a region in Pennsylvania. And the area where I'm located is by the Bushkill Falls, which is called the Niagara of Pennsylvania. It's very uh, outdoors-ish, a lot of trees and streams and waterfalls, it just nature and beautiful. And it's only 90 minutes driving distance to New York City where I grew up in the projects on the 13th floor overlooking the East River. So a complete contrast. <laughs> wow, for sure. I mean, come on, looking from from like just beautiful landscape to the projects. I mean, those are very diametrical polar opposites, right? Exactly. And then you're talking about the geographic nuances that you mentioned in the beginning. And that's absolutely true. The way that we look at 
even the topic that we're talking about, equity, diversity, equity, and inclusion, all of those dynamics relate to geographic nuances, right? The way we talk about DEI on the West Coast, the East Coast, the mid um, part of the country is very different because the experiences are different. The demographic groups represented, they are different. Who has come through those locations? So for example, in El Barrio, in New York City, Spanish Harlem, where I was born and raised, it was an Italian community when my grandmother came as a teenager. And then it moved to be very Puerto Rican and then a bit of mix in terms of Puerto Rican, Dominican, Latino backgrounds. And then in recent years, it was very Mexican. Mm. And you could see the cultural influences by the restaurants that are coming up and the businesses, right? that are opening uh, and then gentrification swept through and now you have high rise buildings mm -hmm. when the highest buildings were the projects that went up to the 20th floor. And now all of a sudden they have these high rise buildings where they have uh, you know, a doorman and they have um, transportation from the public subway that takes you right to the building entrance and they have uh, you know, they're advertising beautiful views and they have all of these amenities. That's very different. You don't have any of that in the projects. The projects is eight families on each floor, 20 floors in the building kind of thrown in together. And it's definitely for low income families. Right. So the dynamics are different indeed. Oh. Yeah. Oh my God, definitely. Let's talk a little bit about your experience in the projects and, and maybe yeah. how maybe that led to work, what the work you're doing today. Obviously you're in Pennsylvania now um, and and um, the there's a lot of gentrification that is happening as you're saying. And so how was it like living during you know your youth in the projects? And then let's talk more about like, okay, did you, after having those experiences, did that lead you to become a doctor in leadership and doing DEI? Oh, I love the opportunity to reflect in this way with a thought partner. So I was raised by my grandparents who went to the first and third grade. And I, I tell this story always because it is critical to the experience of individuals of color, but especially women of color, right? where we do not necessarily have the role models in terms of formal education, in terms of a career trajectory and or formal and visible leadership trajectories, right? That does not mean that we did not have role models in terms of work ethic, in terms of integrity, in terms of respect and humility and all of those other areas that have helped create a foundation for us as strong leaders. But it did mean that I had to, in some ways, find other avenues to understand the possibilities, right? And so through school, through youth development programs, through mentors, teachers, adults in my life that talked about education, that talked about career, that always encouraged me when I talked too much or when I talked too loud and didn't shut me down, but instead encouraged me. Oh. I was able to, to realize that education was a path to success. And I always say that success means different things to different people, right? There's this mainstream idea of what success is, which typically relates to financial well-being. And that's a component of it. But it's also about opportunities to influence others, opportunities to influence policy and change negative statistics into positive statistics. It's an opportunity to, as you've done, 
use your space to open up a platform for others to tell their story with the goal of impacting many more people, right? And to do this kind of connecting like you talked about in the beginning where you're connected to Dr. Veronica, who is connected to me. We're doing great work together with another organization. And then it came back to your platform. And this is the way that we're able to present the different pathways to success, whether it's becoming CEO of a company, whether it's becoming a doctor of education, focusing on leadership development, whether it's becoming a podcaster that gets this word out globally. I mean, those are different paths, but all success. And so for me, the leadership piece was always part of who I was. I loved advocating for others or, you know, speaking up when people were afraid of something and, and pushing boundaries. It's something that I've always done. Yeah. And I've now translated that to the different roles that I hold as the first Hispanic school board director elected in my school district just three and a half years ago, as the first at so many tables of influence where the recipients of the services the service population looks like me, talks like me, identifies like me, right? But the people making the decisions on their behalf do not. Yeah, yeah. Oh, totally. I, oh my God, I agree <laughs> with you so much. I mean, it, here on the West Coast, I mean, literally, like you see that it's your gardeners, your cooks, your chefs, those are all Latinos. They're not, yes. they're not sitting at these corporate seats. Yes. They're far and few between. I'm so, I, I love this conversation. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. So I'm, I'm excited because you are continuing to push boundaries. So tell, tell us a little bit about your experiences in terms of navigating um, your role as this professional and in the C-suite, because literally there's far and few between Latinas. Correct. Correct. And it has been an interesting journey. And I would say that it's a continuum, right? It's not, it's not over because I'm always reinventing myself. And in reinventing myself, continuing to push those boundaries for whoever is in those administrative roles, in those hands-on work roles that you described, right? The people that are doing the work that have the potential, they are bright and they are hardworking and they are ethical and they have the potential to be amazing executives, amazing decision makers, but they don't have the opportunity. And so the way that I reinvent myself is when I see an opportunity, I go for it. It doesn't mean that I'm not afraid. It doesn't mean that I don't have to push myself through some of the challenges because if there's nobody there that looks like me, or talks like me, it does cause hesitation on the front end. Of, Ay, Dios mío, otra vez. You know, my husband asks me often, why do you always have to be first? <laughs> and and we do, right? Because, Thank and you. so I say to him, because I'm not afraid to speak up. Yeah. And even when I am afraid, I push myself and still speak up. And one of my favorite quotes is by the late Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who said that you should speak your mind even if your voice shakes. Yeah. And I always remember that because there are many times when I'm fighting these battles, mostly not even for myself, for the students that we serve on the school board or for individuals that are doing the work but not making the decision, for the elderly, for anybody that is 
disenfranchised and needs me to speak up. And sometimes my heart is pounding and I'm, and I'm just like, all right, I don't know where this is going to go, but I can't stay quiet. And that's the way that I have been able to push through those boundaries and, and get through those barriers because it is about a broader group of people. It's about the greater good. It's about what's right. And time and time again, I am finding that people are not doing what's right, that injustice and inequity is pervasive in American society and not just against Latinos and Latinas, but against other demographics, against groups that have come that maybe don't speak the language or maybe they're dealing with immigration issues or they are either illiterate or low literate, but, but they are members of our society and I cannot sit by and be quiet about it. And sometimes it means that I put myself out there and I get called names. I've been called unprofessional and arrogant and loud. And, you know, I always have to say something. And at first, when those things start happening, you you do hesitate and you feel a little sting, right? Like, oh, wow, people think these things about me. But at this point in my career, I wear it as a badge of honor. And I was just telling somebody earlier in a conversation, it means I'm ruffling feathers in the right spaces. It means that people in positions of authority might be pissed off at me, but they're thinking twice. And the reason is because I'm talking about it. And here's the thing. They can't turn me away because I have the credentials, the expertise, and the national experience to be there. So when people try, try to shut me down, and they do, I will say things like, well, considering I'm the only earned doctorate in the room, I think that gives me the opportunity to speak, right? Ah! Or considering I'm the only one that's worked at the national level and been able to speak to this from not just one geographic lens, but multiple, I think I can say something, right? So what happens is when somebody can't shut you down just because of your last name or because of your accent or because of growing up in the projects in New York City, it pisses them off because I belong here, because I've worked my butt off. And I'll say that to people as respectfully as I can, but unapologetically. I've worked harder than you have to be here. Right. Because oftentimes we have more credentials, more experience and expertise, and we've gone broader to do this work that we're doing. Wow, 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 wow. As you were talking, I started thinking about my own journey as mm -hmm. a lawyer, as being the first generation Mexican-American child of immigrants to even go to college, go mm -hmm. and get your Juris Doctorate to mm -hmm. becoming a licensed attorney. Mm -hmm. All while it was ex-gen, there was no Google, there was nothing. Like I, this was all like just right here, like right in front of me and thinking like, who am I to be able to go that route? And exactly. I, just, I just see a lot of you in me because mm -hmm. I would like, I would be like, oh, fuck, I have to represent this client. And I'm like, shit, but I, you know, and, but you did but, it, but, but you I did it, it, right? Because there is a deeper calling for you. Yes. It's not about you. It is about them. And yes, exactly. Them, right. Well, and here's the thing, Jack, if you think about it, how many Latinas are lawyers in the United States. They're still not enough. Not, yeah. not enough. And we've talked about that here in Pennsylvania with the Pennsylvania Ladido Convention um, on the committee this year. And I've been engaged every year since it launched a couple years ago. We were just having this conversation about how we don't have enough Latina lawyers across the country mm -hmm. and how many Latina doctorates 
less than 4% of 14 million Latinas in the country. Wow. It's insane, right? So we are, we are far and few of who is out there doing that work. So it's normal that you feel that way. Like, who am I to do this? But who are you not to do it? Because mm -hmm. of the experience of your parents and your grandparents and your family and the fact that they could not do it because of citizenship concerns or because of language barriers or just because they were not feeling like they could right. because they didn't access higher education. Right? My grandmother was fierce. peliona, Like she just was. But <laughs> she would always say, I wish I had gone to school and been educated, right? That was always her thing. Like she, yeah. and I, I heard that and I internalized that, right? Because your education, your credentials, your Juris Doctor, that's something they can never take away from you. Right. They can be pissed off. They can say whatever they want to say, but you're still going to be standing on those credentials and the experience and the expertise. And that's what allows you to be a bright star for your family, for your community and for, for all of us widely. Yeah. Oh my God. Thank you for that. I You're feel welcome. it. Thank you so much. It's yeah, true. Proud you know? of you. Oh, thank you. I'm proud of you. <laughs> Standing on our credentials. I want to touch upon how um, diversity, equity, and inclusion is so important so that you can stand on your credentials. And I would love for you to touch upon that. Perhaps like an experience where they were trying to take away that way away from you and you said hail to the no i'm mm. standing on my credential here so you're 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 asking me about something that i'm actually going through right now Ooh. i've been through several times but right now and in in the recent i've just done a couple of interviews and podcasts and i have not talked about this yet, yet because i'm going through it right now it's like 4 days raw Oh, um, so I guess this is this is the platform. This is it. this is, this yeah. is serendipitous. <laughs> this is it because I am up for re-election. So I'm completing my first four-year term on the school board in East Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania, where I was the first Hispanic elected in November of 2019. And through that, I have joined uh, my colleagues sent me to the board of the Colonial Intermediate Unit 20. So in Pennsylvania, all special education goes to intermediate units. I joined there soon after starting here and became the first person of color and first Hispanic still am almost four years later on both. Congratulations. Both, thank you on both boards. But what does that mean? It means we're missing, right? Yeah. I am on the Pennsylvania department of education equity task force, where I chair the subcommittee on advocacy, which is it, helping educators and administrators talk about DEI from an educational equity standpoint. I serve on the board of the ACLU of Pennsylvania the steering committee for the League of Women Voters of Pennsylvania, uh, focusing on equity, and lots of other boards locally and um, across the state and nationally, right? I had the honor, and I've, I've posted this on my own platforms, but haven't really dug into it, so this is another piece, but I had the honor of interviewing for uh, Secretary of Education for Pennsylvania in December. I was not appointed, and that's okay, but not everybody has the opportunity, right, right. to interview for right. that, that role across the state. And I was then at a table where I was able to talk about what I think we're doing well, what I think are the opportunities to do better, right? Where the challenges are and my ideas for a more equitable educational experience across the Commonwealth. So I give you all of that for context because those are some of my credentials, right? right. Some of my qualifications. So last week I completed a survey and I had a 15 minute interview with the local 
Political Action Committee for the teachers and support workers for our school district. There were eight individuals. One identifies as Hispanic. Everyone else identifies as white. And there are 11 candidates in this race. Five of us are up for re-election, so there are five seats. If they had returned their verdict saying, we're not supporting you generally with no details, I might have been okay. I might have wondered, but I might have been okay. But the response was, they're not supporting me because there are 11 candidates for five seats and quote unquote, many qualified candidates. So exactly. So I wrote back very quickly and very simply said, I disagree as I'm the only one of 11 with a doctorate in education, nonetheless. Oh. And, and I just told you all of these other qualifications in which I'm serving our school district and representing us in a public capacity. And in December, I brought the current, at that time, now we have a new administration, the current secretary of education and the current exec executive deputy secretary of education at the same time to a forum that I hosted at our local university. For the first time in history, both of those positions were in our community. At, and at the same time, because of my network and my leadership and my efforts that are visible across the Commonwealth. And I'm not gonna apologize for saying those things out loud because I've worked hard to develop those relationships. So right now I'm in the middle of how can I continue my campaign yeah. in the positive lens, right? That I've always done this work because I don't, I don't go dirty, right? but also address a very systemic issue. Because the other thing that I found out today is that, um, so I'm the only Hispanic in the race which is actually a qualification because 22% of our school district students are Hispanic. So it's not the race card. It's an actual qualification for me to be able to speak to the nuances of those students and give ideas on meeting the needs because I was one of those students, right? right. Out of the 11 candidates, there's one African-American candidate who's a current colleague. He's serving his first term. And I found out that he was not endorsed. So you have 11 candidates, two candidates of color, and neither, and both of us are serving and neither one of us gets endorsed. Oh, oh my God. Okay. Exactly. So to me, this political action committee is not representative of the members that they serve and certainly not of the needs of our students. Yeah. It, it really is political, right. in other words. Oh my God. So what's <laughs> next? What are you going to do? So right now I'm working on strategic messaging. Mm -hmm. Clearly this was, you know, a very transparent and vulnerable moment that we've had. And when this podcast is released, the public will, will be able to hear, you know, right. the, the situation, um, but also just working on strategic messaging around how do we educate our community and, and broadly communities to understand that if you're part of and I'm pro-union, but if you're part of an organized institution, such as a union or another organization, with a political lens especially, some sort of political action committee involved, yeah. that when they send you their endorsement document, that you need to do your research anyhow, mm -hmm. that you cannot take for granted what the process was or was not, right? What did it entail for this small group of eight individuals to determine 
the five people out of 11 candidates that they were going to endorse, what was considered, what was missed, why did it go over the committee's head that there were only two out of 11 candidates of color and that it was not just about race and ethnicity, but it is about representation for our students, for our educators, for our support workers, for our broader community. And yeah. that I came in as the first Hispanic and if not reelected, we wouldn't have a Hispanic again right. for a couple of years. Wow. And I just told you that about a quarter of our student body is Hispanic. Oh my God. Wow. Oh, that's a problem. So it, it really puts the onus on leaders like me and you to get the word out, yeah. to message it in a way that I'm not anti the union that, um, you know, th this group represents. I'm not even anti this group. It's a teachable moment for our community. Mm -hmm. It's a moment for me to leverage, to share. It's also a personal moment of the hell to the no, you're not going to take away and undermine my credentials. So I will be posting my extensive qualifications um, and making the case for me, which, you know, is important for me. But then also it puts the onus on our community and individual voters to pay attention to processes, to ask questions of people that are making decisions and to look at individual candidates and decide who represents you. Yeah. Now I'm very vocal. Right. So I know that there are dynamics playing behind the scenes here because it's not easy to shut me up. Yeah. And my community knows that as well. So I'm going to appeal to my community because at the end of the day, it's the voters that have the final word. Right. But this this is a microcosm of what is happening on the larger scale of the political arena across the United States, which is why communities are disenfranchised and why people do not feel like their vote matters and people do not feel seen and heard by those making decisions, by those running for office and by those that are elected to supposedly represent them. Oh my God, I know, wow. Wow, this is deep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's systemic. It's it systemic. Is. I mean, yeah. I, yeah, I know that on a whole conscious level that it is very systemic. And and how do we break break these patterns, right? Um, but this is like contemporary, new in your face. Wow, yeah. right now I'm living the audacity. It. The audacity, right? That's the word that came to me. So I'm, I'm glad that was confirmation. You, you said serendipity because I've been jotting down my thoughts in preparation because this is not and cannot be an emotional public response, right? And so I'm working on an open letter. And the word that came to me today when I was writing early this morning was exactly audacity, right? The audacity to attempt to undermine the credentials, the expertise, the experience, which yeah entail qualification. So right. if you have not used that line to justify your decision, you would have had a cushion. Yeah. You would have had some leeway. Right. But when you covered yourself by saying many qualified candidates, and for the record, they endorsed a 19-year-old college student, which happens to be connected, you know, I know his family and 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 work very good with them and we're supporting each other. But the point is, be careful what you say because I'm going to hold you accountable for it. Wow. Oh my God. So you're telling me a teenager? Okay. Which I am all for young people being involved. Yeah. I train 
young people to run for political office. It will be amazing when we have more young people feeling like they can contribute because they can. Yeah. But when you're making a decision and you're looking at qualifications, that's different. Right. You said you were looking at qualifications. Yeah. That's not qualification because you don't have the qualifications. Right. But, but that's what they said. So this is the dynamic when a systemic decision happens and it's covered up with language that sounds right, that sounds good, that covers the decision that was made for political reasons. Wow. So we can't be quiet. We can't, no. when we are in these situations, we cannot, and I know they say that silence is golden. And I, I have to try to adopt that a little more often, but honestly, I can't because when I'm silent, I allow bullying tactics to be implemented. When I'm silent, I allow injustices to continue to happen. When I'm silent, I, I allow inequities to continue to prevail throughout our society. And I allow people that look like me and you to be in this situation where you're undermined by individuals who have political agendas. And that's what we've seen throughout education in the, the last three years during this pandemic, where people have been fighting against DEI in education, where people have been fighting against individuals like us being at those decision-making tables because yeah. they feel like they're losing power because yeah. they feel like they're moving down under us to some extent. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. I mean, I, I, I totally see that happening and, and how the wording, you know, making a decision saying, oh, based on these qualified candidates and, and just right. making it nice enough. Exactly. Say that, that you're disqualified, right? Exactly. And, and I'm, I'm a lawyer. I'm a lawyer. I'm masterful of writing to be in a position to advocate my client, even if the shit is shitty, <laughs> it doesn't matter. But, you know, there's there's active voice and there's passive voice. And so you know how to write these things. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. 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 You 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 sum you summarized it beautifully. Yeah. And so on our end, your question, you know, that you asked a few minutes ago is important. What are you gonna do? Yeah. I'm sure I'm not gonna sit back quietly. No. I'm not gonna give visibility to the nonsense, right? Yeah. I'm not gonna be going back and forth. I'm not gonna no, but I'm gonna take control of the situation and tell the community what they need to know about me. Yeah. But also give them the heads up to pay attention to processes and to research the candidates and to look, you know, it it will raise alarm when individuals get something in the mail, right? That says these are the five people we're endorsing and some of us are not on there that should be on there. Mm -hmm. Not not just me, but a couple of others, but yeah. I'm going to speak up about it. Right. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what do we do to support you? Because uh, this is important. You need to stay and and um, uh, really show your community like, you know what, si se puede, you know, fuck sí. them. <laughs> you know what I'm, I'm sorry, I, I like to cuss a lot. <laughs> <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> 
<laughs> with fashion too. I love it. <laughs> you know, this is not cool. This is so not cool. Just because they're so damn scared of getting a brown person in there. What yeah. the heck? Yeah. And that's really what it comes down to. Uh, recently, we had a forum for the school board candidates and we were talking about DEI and who would support DEI. And after the, the forum, I had a couple of conversations and that's one of the messages that I was trying to ensure that people left with is this fear is unfounded. Me being here is not taking away from you. You still can and should be part of processes. You can and still should be involved. It just means that I might be at the decision-making table because it's my turn to represent people that are here that have not been represented or spoken up for, right? So there's an underlying fear that having us at the table takes away from others. And that's not what it is. Yeah. It's, it's long overdue representation so that all groups have a say in what is happening so that we're taking into consideration how decisions are impacting the various demographic groups. And you're not just making decisions that favor one group over another. So there's, there is an underlying fear. That's exactly right. So what, what we do is, as I message, I hope that my network will help me continue to share, right? Reshare the messages, get the word out. Um, just be a support, honestly, because what I'm experiencing here, others are likely experiencing in their own communities. Oh. Maybe not exactly, right? But the systemic. Yeah, the systemic issues. And so the more we support each other and promote the messages that we belong, that we are qualified, that, and, and the thing is, I'm not asking for permission to be here. I'm saying, this is why I deserve to be here to serve my community in this capacity for another term, because I've done it well while I've been here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's, that's the message that we have to continue to get out is I'm not asking for permission. I've put in the work. I've earned the, the credentials. I'm willing to, to work for my community. This is a volunteer position. Yeah. And I put in so many hours yeah. to this school board that I take away time from my family, from my self-care, you know, from, from my personal life to give to the community because it's important to me. Yeah. So then, then also it makes you think, why are people fighting so hard for that position when it doesn't pay mm -hmm. and they're not representing all students? Right. There are other dynamics at play. That's the reality. And it's always been that way. And as long as we are quiet, it will continue to be that way. And then your kids are going through these educational systems and you're not seeing equitable experiences. And you're wondering, why don't these policies take into account my kids or, or what's going on here? You don't realize the bigger picture until one of us ideally down the line, more of us are at the table and you're saying, oh, I, I see it. I can pinpoint the problem and I can tell you what we have to do to fix it. Yeah. That's the fight. It's, it's, it's first getting to the table and then it's being able to push against those processes and those policies and those inequities. And then it's staying there because once people see that you're a fighter, mm. they don't want you there. They don't want you there. No. Oh. It's all good to say like, oh yeah, we're for diversity. Come, come, yeah. And then when you get there, like, I ah, no, 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 no. You, you're just stirring things up. We don't want you here. Yeah. Yes. And it happens <laughs> all too often. Right? All too often. Yeah. Well, Amiga, well, I, I certainly feel and believe that you've been handling your shit all this time. My <laughs> God. <laughs> 
Ah, oh, qué plática. I feel like I could talk to you forever. Pero pues como siempre. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, there's so much we have in common that, that we can like, I mean, I like wine. So maybe one day when I go visit you on the East Coast, we'll have some wine. <laughs> yes, and we have some nice wineries, some nice local wineries, beautiful scenery, as I mentioned. So you're definitely invited. And, oh, you know, all that means is that now we're connected, right? And that's yeah. the beauty of networks. And as yeah. you talk about, you know, what you said, you'd like for your guests to share, you know, what are some tips for yeah. Um, you know, your listeners, and that's one of them is really creating a network that is meaningful, right? Networking is not just about connecting with people for the sake of connecting with people, but it really is about creating a meaningful network and then leveraging that network. I've often leveraged my network for other people. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's okay if that's what you do. Uh, and it comes back to you, right? I was connected to you through someone in my network. Yeah. Um, but then sometimes you have to leverage a network for yourself too. So yeah. now that I am going through something, I mean, front and center, I, we're always going through things, but front and center, I'm going to reach out to my network and say, Hey, I need you right in the, in these different ways and different capacities so that I can find the strength to keep fighting. Yeah. Right. So I would say that that's another tip is don't be afraid to be vulnerable. Don't be afraid to share the challenges that you're facing because what happens with these attacks is that they feel personal and they feel like they're, uh, they're coming for you. And in some ways they are, but remember that they're coming for you and people that look like you and people that talk like you and people that identify like you. So it stings, right? Rejection stings, um, you know, the name calling, the attacks. Yeah. But once I get over that initial, like, oh, I didn't like that. I didn't yeah. like to be referred to that way. I'm like, now what? I'm going to come right back at you. I'm going to be professional, but sassy because you don't get to do that to me. And you don't get to knock somebody down. And I'm not going to be the one to stay down because I'm fighting for more than myself. Right. Um, and then the third thing that I would say is that it is important to have these opportunities to self-reflect, right? Self-reflect by yourself, whether it's meditation, whether it's prayer, whether it's quiet time, whether it's journaling, or whether it's this, I'm a talker. So this, for me, is therapeutic, right? It's an opportunity to reflect, and to have somebody smiling on the other end that feels safe, right? Because you understand my lucha, right? You get it, because you've been in it, and you've been through it. And so it feels safe to me. And I can do that in a way that is going to be then shared widely and publicly because somebody else is going to hear it and say, wow, Jackie and Damari really touched on something that I'm going through and I couldn't see the light, but now I see it. Yes. And that's part of the way that we open doors for others, right? Um, another one of my favorite quotes is, if I have seen further, it is by standing on the shoulders of giants by Newton. And that's in my bio. Right. Because We've had shoulders, your, your parents, you know, your family, those that came for you to be able to do what you've done. And my grandparents who raised me and those that were extended family that joined, they, they were our shoulders. And now we are the shoulders for so many others, not even just youth, but, but people our age and people older than us that had not seen the light. But when they see Jackie, it's like, well, if she can do it, I can do this, yeah. <laughs> if, you know, and, or they see Damari and they'll say, wow, you know, la doctora dijo esto, then, then I'm going to do that. Right. Yeah. And they find the motivation to move forward and to push through. And that's, that's to me, what it means to handle your shit is really, what are you doing for yourself? 
What are you doing for others? What are you doing for the greater good? Ooh, yes. Yes. Amen. Speaking <laughs> truth. Wow. Definitely. Oh my God. I love all of your tips because it's so true. It I I really feel that like for instance, like me with the podcast, I mean, I'm not receiving any money out of this. I'm right. actually putting a lot of money, but mm-hmm. I really in my heart, I've been divinely blessed and and I and I love you know, people, and I know that I'm destined to highlight and showcase other mujeres that like we can, and we're not, we're not, we're not going to allow for these kind of situations to happen and not speak up. Exactly. And not do something to change it. Exactly. And I love that you are not just passionate, but very genuine, right? It's a very relaxed conversation that everyday Latinas and even broader individuals of color can relate to. Because sometimes when we achieve these levels of societal mainstream American success, we start walking the park. And, And okay, some of that code switching might be relevant in terms of spaces and places where we occupy. But if everyday people cannot relate, the people that we represent and speak for, then what are we really doing, right? So you have to figure out that juggle between how do I walk in this space and how do I open doors for others in a way that is relevant to their needs and their experiences? Yeah, yes, absolutely. Wow, 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 wow. Well, doc- Dr. Bonilla Rodriguez, I'm I'm just like floored here. I'm I'm ready to take your courses, your classes. I want to be around you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh my God. You know, I knew it was going to be a really wonderful conversation. Um, uh, you know, uh, as a lawyer, I've always dealt with, you know, fighting for equality as someone who's done immigration yeah. and just seeing it in the trenches of how, how yeah. systematic, how awful it could be for the immigrant. And, um, and just to talk to another sister on that on that front, I'm just so so elated and and so um, blessed to have you here. Well, thank you for the opportunity to be on your platform. We definitely will be doing some collaborating going forward, and you know I love all that you're doing. So thank you for taking that task front and center and creating the space. Thank you. No, well, thank you so much, and I can't wait to have you back on. After this whole, whatever gets resolved, like take it to the man. (laughs) I'm glad that we had this conversation. It's going to go global. You share it. And and this should be like a really awesome way for you to plug and tell the truth. You know, you're going to say the truth. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I love it. So thank you so much for being on Amiga Heather Your Shit podcast. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Amiga Handle Your Shit podcast. If anything resonates with you today, please share it with your friends and subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. Don't forget to share it on Instagram, Facebook, and other social media platforms. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at www.amigahandleyourshit.com. Thank you so much for listening. Gracias y hasta la próxima.